You are listening to Revival Talk. I'm Pastor Terry Bailey, and I want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast. In today's message, I'll be sharing about the wow factor. For more information about our ministry, go to our website, revivaltalk.org. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about the wow factor. The wow factor. Everybody say wow. I want to give you some definitions and then we're going to read some wow scriptures if that's okay. It is to express strong feeling such as pleasure or surprise. It means to gain an enthusiastic response from. It means a thrill. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary says the first use of the word was in 1513. And here's the thing about wow. It spells the same, front and backwards. If you turn it upside down, it says mom. Other words for wow are astound, awe, excite, amaze, thrill, dazzle, electrify, enthuse, or exhilarate. Let me give you some wow scriptures. Psalm 68, 35. Oh God, you are more awesome than your holy places. God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. Blessed be God. Psalms 147, verse 5. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. Psalm 66, 2 and 3. Sing out honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. Psalm 66, verse 5 through 7. Come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing towards the sons of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the river on foot. There we will rejoice in him. He rules by his power forever. His eyes observe the nations. Do not let the rebellious exalt themselves. And I love this one. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Psalms 107, 31. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 5. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Daniel 9, 4. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, Great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. Psalms 139 verse 7 through 10. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Psalms 145 verse 12, to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Hebrews 7 25, therefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Wow, we serve an awesome God. Now that word awesome, we've kind of brought it down to a little lower than it should be. We'll say, that was an awesome cake, or that was an awesome TV show. And I think we've somehow lost the meaning of that. The root word of that is the word all. 
And we serve a God, and we should be in awe of God. And I think one of the great dangers that faces us as Pentecostals is we lose our wonder or we lose our awe of who God is. When was the last time you said, wow, we must not lose our awe of God? And I believe when we have a true visitation of God's Spirit, we will recover our wow. So why use the word wow? Why the wow factor? In this year of visitation, I believe we're going to be saying, wow, a whole lot at what God is doing. I believe God's just going to do some supernatural things, and we're going to look at it and say, wow, that's awesome. That's tremendous. That's powerful. I don't know about you, but I want to get my wow back. Anybody want to get your wow back this morning? So this morning, I want to take this word wow, and I want to use it as an acrostic. Because wow defines our mission as we move forward in this time of visitation. It defines our mission both personal and our personal lives. I believe there are three principles here in this word that we can put together that encompasses all that we are. And that will help us become established in our walk with God and grow in grace. And I want to do it personally and I want to do it corporately. So what are these three priorities? Well the first W represents the word, word, the word of God. W equals the word. O speaks to us about outreach. And then the last W speaks to us about worship. I want to take that first W and talk to you about the word of God. We are a people of the word. We believe that this is God's inspired word to man. We believe it is inspired of the Holy Spirit. We believe that it is God breathed. We believe it is the word of God. Our church is and is going to continue to be, as long as I'm your pastor, a church that will be anchored in the word of God. If you've noticed, I have spent years encouraging you, exhorting you to read and study the Word of God. We've put together reading plans. We've had 21-day reading plans, 40-day reading plans. We've read through the books of the New Testament. We've read books in the Old Testament. We've done all those things over the decade or more that I've been trying to emphasize reading and studying the Word of God. Why? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. If you're going to grow in grace, you're going to grow as you read and study the Word of God. And you say, well, I've read it through many times. Well, Read it through again, and God will speak to you differently this time than he did last time. This is a wealth that we've only just begun to mine. There's more wealth in this book than there are anywhere in this world than there are gold and silver and diamonds and minerals and other precious stones. You can find everything that you need in this book. Now, when I say W for the word, I'm lumping under that letter all of our ministries of discipleship and spiritual formation. We are called to make disciples. That's what our calling is. You say, well, pastor, I thought we were called to win souls. Well, our first call is to discipleship. Or let's use the word spiritual formation. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. This is the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Do what? Make disciples 
of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, what did he say? We're to make disciples, and then what does he say right there at the beginning of verse 20? Teaching. What do we teach them? We teach the word of the living God. That's what we do. Every ministry in this church should be a discipleship ministry. We should help disciple people. Sunday school classes, Wednesday night, men's ministry, women's ministry. Am I missing it? Children's church, junior church that we need to get started back. What are you saying? I'm saying that we want all of our ministries to contribute to the spiritual growth of every believer. We must be a disciple-making church. If people come in and get saved, we've got to have the mechanism to help them to get to the place, the next level, to get to the place where they can get established in their walk with God. Our preaching and teaching should be to make disciples and help people grow strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. So, it's our priority is to make sure that the ministries here have the resources that are needed to help people in their spiritual formation. So we will make the preaching and teaching of the Word of God a corporate priority this year. The Apostle Paul wrote these words to his young son in the faith, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed Rightly dividing the word of truth. The King James Version says it this way. Study to show thyself approved. Study out what I preach. Go behind me. Take those scriptures. Look them up. Let God's word speak to your heart. Study what your Sunday school teacher teaches you on Sunday morning. Take those scriptures. Take those lessons. Take them to heart. Study them. Open your Bible every day and read from it. Study from it. You say, well, Pastor, I read and I don't really remember what I read. Well, that's going in your spirit more than it's going in your mind. And it's helping you whether you really know it or not. Boy, I'm preaching good and can't get a bit of help in here. The psalmist wrote these words to describe the Bible in Psalms 119, verse 54. Your statutes have been my song in the house of my pilgrimage. The Bible is our guidebook as we make our pilgrimage of faith in the will of God. If you are to become strong in faith and grow in grace, you must give a prominent place in your life to the Word of God. We will make the Bible a priority both corporately and personally. Dr. Jack Hayford is quoted as saying, Each time a person picks up a Bible, he or she opens the grandest message ever given to earth. Nothing has ever come to the hands of humankind that even approaches the completeness and clarity or the love and grace presented in God's Word. The one grand theme of the Bible is Jesus. That's the theme. There are other subjects, there are other studies, but the theme is Jesus. And what our world needs today is Jesus. Can you say amen? The purpose of the word of God is to introduce us to our divine creator. The mind of God is revealed on the pages of scripture. It reveals the plans of God for humanity past, present, and future. Throughout the scriptures, we learn the purpose of God's word in our walk of faith and our relationship with God. There's six different purposes of God's word for the believer. Number one, Psalms 119, verse 9 and 11. The word of God is a restrainer to keep us 
from sin. When Jesus was tempted of the devil, he didn't have a philosophical argument with the devil. He said, devil, it is written. He quoted from the book of Deuteronomy. He quoted out of the law. He quoted from the very word of God. If you hide the word in your heart, when you are drawn away by temptation, what you will have is a weapon to use against the enemy. And I've got news for you. No matter how old you get, no matter how spiritual you are, you will always at times deal with some type of temptation. And we overcome the enemy by what? By the power of the word of God through our testimony and the blood of the Lamb of Calvary. Can you say amen? Number two, Psalms 119, 133. The word of God is a source of joy. You need joy? Get into the word. Titus 2, 5. It's a standard of conduct. Hebrews 4, 12 teaches us that the purpose of the word of God is to discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Number five. 1 Peter 4, 2, the scriptures are a source of new life. This book is alive. I've got commentaries. I've got all kinds of books, but none of them are alive. They're just books. They're books about this book. But when I open this book, it's filled with life. When I speak the word over my circumstances, it's filled with life. I was thinking about this today, how when we get sick or how we get a diagnosis, we tend to identify ourselves by that diagnosis. Here's what we'll say, I have arthritis. And we take ownership of that sickness. And I'm not saying that you can't, you deny that. Please don't misunderstand me. I believe in medical science and doctors. I believe in that. But what I'm trying to say to you is, is don't take ownership of what the enemy's trying to put on you. The world loves to label us. And I've had to deal, listen, I had a little nurse and she just loved to come in every night and give me a shot of insulin. And they won't put that in the pig line. I had them put it right here. They want to put it in your stomach. I got heparin in my stomach. Come on, somebody. You say, well, you got the stomach for it. <laughs> She said, we'll put it in your belly. I said, no, put it right here. And I told her it became a joke between me and her. I said, you just love, you just love to stick me. And she'd just laugh and she'd stick me. But you know what I did? I prayed and I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm laying up here on oxygen. I'm sick myself. I can't get out of the bed. I'm so weak. But I prayed and I said, Lord, this sugar is going to be normal from now. This is the last shot of that I'm getting of insulin. Do you know that was the last shot of insulin I got that week? Yeah. Don't take ownership. Say this. Say I've been diagnosed. That's the fact of the matter. But the truth of the matter is I'm standing on God's word and believing God for my complete total healing in the name of Jesus. Get the word down inside of you. Begin to speak the word over your circumstance. Begin to speak the word over your situation. That's why when somebody asked me, said, oh, you're a COVID survivor. Oh, no, I'm a COVID overcomer in the name of the Lord. And I'm going to be 110% whole and well and better than I was before in Jesus' name. You say, when's that going to happen? Well, I'm going to keep believing until it does. Here's the way I pastor, okay? If you get sick, I pray for you to be healed. I'll pray and stand and believe God for you to be healed till you draw your last breath. And when I see that maybe it's your time 
then I'll ask God to give you grace and help you during that time. But here's the pledge I make to you. As long as I'm your pastor, when you get sick, I'm going to pray for you and believe God to raise you up and heal you in the name of the Lord. Because I believe he's able. I believe he's willing. I believe he's got the power to do it. I believe his word teaches it in Jesus' name. We're going to be a word people. We're going to be a word church. And we're going to be a disciple-making church. Revelation 1.1, number 6. The word of God will show us the things which must shortly come to pass the second letter of the word wow is the letter O and that means outreach we're not starting a food pantry in this community because this community is hungry and needs food that's a part of it we're not just going to be another ministry that gives away food you might have seen that the city and the county just had this race to see who could win could raise up the most food and I think the city beat the county this year and they gave whoever it is uh, one of those belts like the wrestlers wear and he was holding it up. They're the champions, you know. And he said everybody wins and it's true because there's a lot of need in our community and it's going to be even more as inflation continues to rise. Listen, gas is much higher than it used to be. Food, you've been to the grocery store lately. How do single parent and people cope with that? It's difficult. So here we're going to come alongside them to help them. But that's not our motive. We're helping them because we're becoming the hands and feet of Jesus. And people who come to our food pantry are going to get witness to. They're going to learn about the gospel. They're going to get little Bibles put to take home with them. They're going to hear about the things of God. They're going to hear about the miraculous power of God. We're going to pray for people right down there in that building. There's going to be as much ministry takes place down there. Yeah, we're going to give you a can of beans. We're going to give you some pinto beans and some corn mix. We're going to give you whatever God puts in our hands. We're going to give it away in Jesus' name. And I hope we give thousands and thousands of tons of it away. I hope we outgrow that building. We have to build a bigger building to do it. But it's going to be a place of ministry. It's not a charity. We're not running a charity. What are you saying? I'm saying we're not a charity. We're a church. We have a different mission than that. So here's what we're not. We're not a charitable organization in the sense that we're just a charity trying to meet physical needs. We're going to meet physical needs in order to touch them spiritually. Acts 1 verse 8, that's the next scripture. This reveals one of the results of divine visitation. Now remember, this is a year of visitation. Acts 1 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you And notice what it says. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. You say, well, Pastor, I can't go to Jerusalem. Well, where is our Jerusalem? This is our Jerusalem right here. In all Judea. Where is Judea? That's our region, our state. We're going to do that in June. And I want you to be part of it. We're going to do prayer routes all over this state. We're going to start at the state capitol. We're going to have access to the state house. We're going to pray and intercede right in the state house. We're going to leave from the capital, and we're going to cover this state, eight different groups. You can join anyone you want to. And we're going to go all over this state and pray, and then we're going to converge at the port of Charleston, and we're going to close that out at the port of Charleston, just like we did last summer when we went from here. My team went from Virginia Beach all the way to Lebanon, Kansas. We're going to do it in this state, our region, our state. Samaria. Samaria 
is the wrong side of the tracks. It's the place where the Jewish people didn't go. Remember when Jesus went to Samaria? He broke every religious rule by doing that. First off, a rabbi talked to a woman. That didn't happen. Secondly, she was a woman who was living with a man. She had five ex-husbands. There are going to be some folks that come here that are in them kind of conditions. What are we going to do? We're not going to judge them. We're not going to look down our religious noses and judge them. We're going to reach out with the love of God. And we're going to say, come into the house of the Lord. Be cleansed. Be set free. Be whole in Jesus' name. We're going to take the ones that nobody else wants. And God will give us the ones that everybody else wants. Well, I'm preaching good and can't get no help in here. God's about to revolutionize this church. It's going to change. And I don't want to change things for change's sake. I don't want to change things because it's a fad. But you know what happens when we start looking outside the four walls of this church? When we get outreach oriented, when we get evangelistically oriented, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. It's going to change our perspective. It's going to change our outlook. And it's going to bring revival like we have never experienced before. And sometimes it will be because you give a bag of rice to somebody. Sometimes God's going to give you an opportunity. And I'm not talking about me standing down there preaching to everybody. I'm talking about you being witnesses as you work in these ministries. We're about to put this word into every home in this community. Sooner the numbers come down and the weather breaks a little bit. We're going to put these Bibles along with some other materials into every home around this community. Why? Because it's the word of God. You say, well, what if people throw it away? But what if people read it? What if one person reads John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? They could be born again by the power of God. And there's little helps right in here that tells you how to do it. So those are just two things. We're going to do many other things because we're going to be a church that reaches out beyond itself. Now, there's three ways we're going to do that. Personal evangelism. What's personal evangelism? This is what it is right here. We must pray and ask God for opportunities. I'm not called to everybody, but I'm called to somebody. Now, there's cold call evangelism. That's what we do when we go out and knock on doors. And you have to knock on thousands of doors before you get any response. But you and I work with people, and we're around people every day that don't know Jesus. Just be real. Because those people are going through challenges. They got challenges with their children. They got challenges with their health. And here's a good way to start. How can I pray for you? A very few people turn down prayer. The world needs prayer and ministry. And you touch people that this church will never touch except through you. Personal evangelism. 1 Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. You got hope in you and the world don't. Be ready to share that. Secondly, we're going to do what we call practical evangelism. This is our plan going forward. Somebody says, what's the plan? Say, wow. So what is practical evangelism? We're going to use tools that God puts in our hand practically to witness and share the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to make ourselves known practically in this community. What better way to do it when people need food? 
Single parents need diapers, and we can supply diapers to them. No strings attached, no charge. We're doing these things practically for the glory of God. And listen, we'll saturate everything we do down there with prayer. We'll cover it with prayer. We'll cover it with worship. Everything we do will be saturated with prayer. It'll be anointed. And listen, the anointing that's in this house, how many of you felt that this morning? Listen, the glory of God was in this house this morning. We're going to take that outside of these four walls. Let me give you some scriptures. Matthew 25, verse 35. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and I come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. May God raise up those ministries in this house that will do it to the least of these. The third way we're going to do evangelism is power evangelism. What's power evangelism? Signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. I'm not ashamed of the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation. I don't apologize for being a spirit-filled, full gospel believer. I'm not going to compromise the word of God, but I'm going to preach the whole counsel of God. And we're going to be a full gospel, spirit-filled people. And we're going to experience revival. And God's going to do miracles in here, but he's going to do miracles out there. And we're going to be known as a church that people can come to. And the power of God will touch them and minister to them. Listen, God did more in five seconds this morning during worship when his presence was flowing in this house than we can do in five lifetimes. Let me give you this scripture and I'll move on. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. And they will recover. O is for outreach. The last W is this. W equals the word. (laughs) O equals outreach. The last W is worship. Why worship? Because worship, listen to me. Worship involves prayer. All our prayer ministries will be under this W. You're going to start seeing signs that says wow. People come in and say, what does that mean? That means we're people of the word. We're a people of outreach, and we're a people of worship. Worship involves prayer. See, the praise team that leads us, that's just an element of worship. Actually, everything I've talked to you up to now is worship. When I read the word, I'm worshiping. When I pray and talk to my father, I'm worshiping. When I give, I'm worshiping. See, giving's not out of compulsion. Tithing's not a legalistic thing. We don't want it to be legalistic. We want it to be a joyful thing. We want you to understand it's worship. It's it's an act of surrender. It's giving to God. All of that's a part of worship. So when I talk about worship, I'm talking about more than just music ministry and more than just praise team ministry, more than just playing an instrument. Thank God for that. That's a big part of it. 
But all of these are elements of worship. And we're going to be a church who worships. We're going to be a generous people. And they are generous. We are a generous church. But we're going to take that to a whole new level. We're going to give sacrificially to the cause of Christ. When I pray, it's an act of worship. Look at what Matthew 6, 6 says. But when you pray, go in your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who's in the secret place will reward you openly. We're called to be a house of prayer. And everything we do must be saturated in prayer. Not only are we going to do these things corporately, but for us to be successful, we have to each do them personally. 